This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and welcome to this next episode. And, and I think it's a timely episode as we begin the new year of 2022 to have Chris Rios rejoining us. He's a previous guest and love to have him on because of his view of the area of human experience, human resources, search, professionalism, and a whole bunch of other subjects. So welcome, Chris. We're glad to have you. Would you take a moment to introduce yourself to our listening audience? Awesome. Thank you, Bob. I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, I love the podcast. I love your podcast in particular. So much information is, is sort of transferred to the consumer, if you will, those that are listening. So I really appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, I am the managing partner and one of three founding partners for Blue Rock Search. Um, we are an executive search firm focused in three particular areas, um, franchise leadership, franchise development, um, human resources, as you mentioned before. And I happen to be the chief customer experience officer for a lack of better words, but my practice is customer experience. So I place CX leadership from director level and above all the way to the C-suite in varying organizations across industry and sector. And so I come in contact with a lot of CX professionals in my daily activities. And I'm actually working on a really big CXO search now. So I'm very, very proud of that particular thing. But more importantly, I'm very proud of our Blue Ark search. We've been in business for six years. Um, so that's me in a nutshell. That's great. And listeners, as you can hear, uh, so appropriate to have Chris joining us because he does focus his practice on the customer experience profession. And we're going to get into that uh, shortly. But first, Chris, I, I just have to ask, great resignations, labor shortages. We're hearing all of these interesting trends, terms, rumors, whatever you want to call it. What's your perspective about what's happening as we close out 21 and begin 22 uh, for, in terms of, of the human experience, so to speak? Yeah, I, I think that this is a very, very interesting time. Obviously, when you have a global um, situation in which people are, are facing health issues at, at an exponential rate, um, the impact on the labor market is extensive. Um, and, and to be honest with you, on one half of the coin, I love that people are standing up and saying, hey, I don't want to be treated in a particular way anymore. I, I want better conditions. And on the other side of the coin, I think this is the greatest opportunity for CX professional, in particular practitioners, to influence their organizations on the importance of the employee experience, as well as how it impacts customers long term. Um, so when I think about what has happened in the last 18 to 24 months, 
Um, you know, I look at situations like this and I go, wow, what is the opportunity? And on one hand, you have people crying out, treat me better. And then you have a, an individual, call it the CX leader, if you will, and a function that's supposed to be listening. Um, they should be rising to the ranks, right? They should be stepping up in a way that they've never done before to really advocate for advancing the employee experience. And we talk about this all the time, um, or at least I do with CX leaders, happy employees make happy customers. And I go, if that's true, why is everyone still raising their hand saying I'm not being treated well? So when I think about this great resignation, um, sorry, not sorry. And I don't mean that cavalierly, I'm saying sorry that it's actually happening, but great opportunity for CX leaders to step up and really make a change that they've been talking about for such a long time. When it comes to labor shortages, I, I can understand that as well. Um, you know, you advocate or, or actually you're advocating for yourself, right? Your agency is, hey, I want to do something different than I've ever done before. Beautiful. That's an awesome thing. Make the change, do whatever you have to do. Um, and for me, as an executive search partner, if you will, um, I, I, I feel the, the benefit of that, obviously. And I, I look at that, but I'm looking at the trends in, 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 you know, across market, across sector. And if they don't find the right opportunity where a company will treat them well, well, they'll stay out of the workforce. If they are in the workforce, they don't want to go back into the office. I mean, and that's so obvious, right? Um, they're doing more work, better work, having greater results being at home. Um, they work longer. Um, so the, 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 on, on, on one hand, you look at it and say, well, where is everybody? Why isn't anybody working? Because they're demanding to stay home. And so you know, they're making changes. Um, all that to be said, um, I think, again, great opportunity for a CX leader, a CX function to step up and, and speak boldly about how they can advance the organization by taking care of employees. So great opportunity for companies at this time, in my opinion. Great perspective, Chris. I, I just wonder and have read a lot about this, I've been observing organizations. Why are so many organizations struggling with what to do with a remote workforce? You know, in some cases, you have very content employees that are doing great, as you said, working longer hours because they're remote, yet companies seem insistent on bringing them back into the office while other companies are saying, hey, everything is going great. Let's leave it as is. Why is there this struggle here? It feels like companies are trying to decide this on the fly. Yeah, I think the primary reason why there's this clunky kind of engagement with this new way of doing work is fear. I think often, you know, there's a weird comfort level of having an employee come into the building, do they work at a desk, they can see the person, whether you're in a bullpen area or private office, they can see the individual, it feels like they're doing work, right? But the reality is that productivity is actually less in a work environment. So there's a couple of factors that, are, that play into it. The commute, many people have to travel a long way. There's that transition from family life to work life. You get into the office, you sit at your desk, and after two hours, you're getting up, you're moving around. 
hey, you know, this water cooler talk, this coffee talk, this going to the bathroom, and all those factors that come into play um, in an environment where you're supposed to be at a desk for X amount of hours, but that productivity is not as high. So you're in the, in the, in the office eight hours, nine hours, call it, and you're actually working six hours. And stepping out of that arena and going home and having maximum flexibility, the leader, and, and I'm going to be, you know, putting that in quotes and you can't really see it from a leadership perspective. Is it a manager? Is it a leader? I, it doesn't matter. There's all that controversy too. Mm. Um, the most effective leaders are the ones that trust their employee population to do what they say they're going to do, right? We contract with our employees. They work, we pay them. Beautiful. And there's other benefits that come in there. If the benefits are really good and there's a variety of ways to talk about that, well, then the, the employee, of course, is going to be happy. But the biggest one is that fear versus trust factor. High fear from a management perspective. They're not getting it done. I don't trust my team. The team says, you don't trust me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start disengaging from you, right? And now that I'm not even in the building, I'm really going to start disengaging and finding something else that I can go to. And that confluence of things is one ginormous ecosystem of pain. <laughs> Again, a great opportunity for a CX leader who is looking out on the horizon and saying, we do this for our customers. Why don't we do this for our employees? The pain points are severe, but it's predicated on fear versus trust. If there was a higher level of trust in the population that is doing the work, the actual execution of it would be even greater and there wouldn't necessarily be the great resignation. So that's my take. I think it's that fear versus trust. And when there's a lack of trust, the employee feels it and they begin to want to go to an environment where they feel entrusted and empowered to continue to do the work that they do that they've been paid for. Mm. So true. Uh, it's, it's also quite interesting to me, Chris, that you use the, the concept of fear and trust. I was uh, just uh, had another guest on the podcast on a totally different subject on brand and how customer experience relates to brand. And, and he was very specific about how you have to build trust with customers. And what you're talking about is building that trust with employees. And uh, it's so true. I mean, it goes both ways, customers and employees and organizations and how they interact both with customers and employees that that trust has to be there or, or you can't be successful. Um, yeah, I would even add, you know, when you're talking about brand promise and, you know, telling the community at large, this is who we are, right? This is what we commit to doing as far as customer engagement or end user success, if you will. The irony is, if you call in and you don't get what has been promised, as a customer, you begin to vote with your feet, right? You say, well, they said they were going to do this, but they didn't actually execute against that. Well, that's shame on the company for doing that, right? So when I think about brand promise and, and the lack thereof to fulfill that, and many organizations are suffering through that, I mean, we're seeing it left and right, up, down, and from Sunday to Saturday, um, the service model in different organizations has just gone down. And it's like astounding to me. Um, but that brand promise has to be fulfilled. Otherwise, you're eroding trust between the company and the end user, the customer, if you will. And that's something that's a no-no. It's hard to come back from that. And so to advance that into the employee community, same kind of concept. You told me you were going to be able to do this. You told me I was going to get this benefit and grow. And my succession plan was going to be here. Um, and it's not happening. Or 
let me work from home because that's what my demand is. It's not happening. You told me this was going to, my gosh, we're suffering greatly as, as, a, as that ecosystem is starting to deteriorate. It's a, it's a very scary time. Again, great opportunity for a CX leader to step up and do it. That, that would be a really fantastic thing and, and, and clang that symbol really hard. So true. Um, shifting gears a little bit, although staying in the same uh, general area of conversation, Chris, I haven't done this in a few months, but when I did put in the term customer experience into a job search function on LinkedIn, I think I got tens of thousands of bounce backs <laughs> and yeah. uh, of every level at every title and, and at every place in the world. Uh, and so let's focus now, bring our focus in a little bit clearer around specifically to the customer experience profession. And sure. where is that at? I know early on in the pandemic, we had some unfortunate situations where many experienced professionals were, were laid off as part of it. Unfortunately, perhaps some short-sighted organizations did that. But where are we at now, and what do you what do you see happening within the profession itself? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I I'm a little disappointed with where the industry is, meaning the function itself. There are a lot of great practitioners out there, a lot of great strategists. So I, I can't be blanketed and say the entire function is suffering. There's a lot of good things happening, to be honest with you. But the reality is that there's one trend, and, and it's funny because Qualtrics just came out with this, this and I'm not going to quote any of their statistics because it, 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 I don't do that. Um, but for, for me, one of the things that I have found this past year that I think is going to go right into 2022, um, there's, there's a desire from, a, from the customer perspective for the company to do something with all the data that they have been contributing to, right? So voice of customer, voice of employee, a lot of people are filling out market, you know, surveys and trying to tell the company what's going on and what could, what they could do to improve. And it's awesome. But more often than not, and I've seen this trend over the last four years, approximately, more technology companies, more platforms to gather information, more uh, uh, of these supposed, you know, um, easing it up, right? But you're gathering information through technology. It's very easy to do the let's get surveys, but no one's doing anything about it, right? So the big trend is CX analysts um, from a marketplace perspective, desire for analysts to come in and, and actually turn the data into actionable events, um, interpreting that information, making recommendations, and, 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 and helping an organization figure out a strategy to try to do something. People's patience are waning because it's not, you know, it's taking a long time for something to be done. Um, you can't advocate that we're, we're, we're including you in this process and then nothing is done, right? So again, trust is, a, that's a common theme in our conversation today. So big trend is CX analysts are, are, are the new kind of thing. But you asked about the, the industry and 10 different kind of descriptions of what CX is. In my opinion, everyone thinks that they're doing customer experience, but no one really owns all of it, right? So a customer success leader says, I'm doing customer experience because I'm engaged with the customer on a regular basis. And I go, that's great. 
but you're technically an, a, an account rep and I'm, I'm, I'm being rudimentary because I know it's complex and what they do is significant and important. But the bottom line is your account management, right? I've already received you as a client. Now what I'm gonna come alongside you to figure out what other solutions within my company can be offered to elevate your organization and your business and, and apply some solutions to that. And you'll renew at the end of the next year or the following year. But that's not true strategic customer experience. Now you may have some of the strategic customer experience philosophy within your scope, but it's very siloed to one function. Same with customer service. Um, we're doing customer experience out here all the time. And I'm like, yeah, but you're at the tail end. You're, you're what happens when customer experience breaks down, right? So who is owning all of that? Who is designing the strategy that covers off against all of these particular functional necessities? Customer success is a necessity, so is customer service. But at the end of the day, the dilution of the customer experience function is extremely prevalent and it's very disappointing. So we have as a function, some issues. Um, everyone says that they, all, they own customer experience, but in reality, they do not. So we need more, I don't know if we need more people at the helm, the leadership or whatever. I, I don't know whether it's a company-wide, and I think it's, it is company-wide, um, it, it's just diluted at this point. And it's a little disappointed that we haven't been able to um, have more standardization. And maybe that's not the right word, but my point in that is we need more cohesiveness within the function across multiple industries and, and leaders. Um, so like I said before, CX analysts on a small level coming in, interpreting information and creating actionable events and then who actually owns the true customer experience strategy, that would be a very, very helpful kind of endeavor to sort of nail down so that the, the, the marketplace is not diluted with multiple names and titles who claim customer experience. I, I think that's, you know, I think that, that might be a solution. That's quite uh, interesting about the analysts. And as you said it, I thought to myself, you know, it's not surprising because organizations have been collecting data for years. And one of the biggest problems is that they don't do anything with it. In fact, when, when I'm working with clients or at organizations that I've worked with in the work, worked at in the past, I oftentimes when I come in, I'll say, you know, I'll get a bunch of reports and I'll say to them, uh, stop distributing those reports for a week and see if anybody notices. And, and oftentimes there may be one call that comes in, you know, from somebody somewhere, but a lot, so often it's some executive asked for this report six years ago and we've been running it every day ever since and nobody ever looks at it. And that translates to experience, right? Because we collect survey data and customer feedback and all this other type of information. But if you don't do anything with it, why collect it? So it makes total sense to me, long-winded comment there. It makes total sense to me that companies are now seeing the light and hiring analysts. And I love the fact that you're also seeing a trend towards strategists because again, too often that strategy doesn't exist in organizations and yet they're trying to improve their experience. Yeah, I, I think there's a fundamental disconnect 
between the senior leadership team and the rest of the organization. And here's what I mean. And, and, and again, I, I'm making very blanketed statements because it's I'm just seeing trends. I'm not saying that there aren't companies who do these things really, really well. There are plenty. So I, I'm just making a, a statement of things that I'm seeing. I think the fundamental disconnect between the senior leadership team and the rest of the organization is the rest of the organization doesn't truly understand the business at hand. And when, when that happens, you basically you're doing nose to the grindstone kind of work where whatever's on my desk, I've got to get this done because I've got to check off this box and I've got to do this. But there's no like commonality across the organization of understanding the why they're doing what they're doing. Why is a company producing this particular product? Why is this company offering this particular service? And what is the ultimate impact we want to have on the customers in the long run? And if that is not being discussed, you end up with this semi-siloed kind of work environment where, again, nose to the grindstone kind of work. The CX analyst is being brought in, hopefully, to bridge that gap. So the CX leader is saying, okay, we've got all this data. We need to do something about it. We have a huge repository of information. Do we know why we have that information? Like, you know, two years ago to have information is, has changed, right? Prior to COVID, we had certain data. After COVID, we have other kinds of data. And what are we doing with it? It's like, oh my gosh, well, you have to keep up in order to get ahead. And that's where this is coming from, right? So the analysts are coming in, hopefully uncovering why we're doing what we're doing as an organization and then translating that data to fit that business agenda. What are we trying to accomplish? What do we hope will be accomplished in 2022 and beyond? And how are we leveraging that data to, to create things to do to evolve and then finally get ahead? Right now, it seems very reactive because there's a disconnect between the senior leadership team and the rest of the community in the organization as to why they're doing what they're doing. And I think this is, horrific, to be honest with you. Um, and, and it's a plague that has to be stopped as quickly as possible. And the CX leader who um, who's really adept at understanding the business needs and can explain to the, to the group at large why we're doing it and then effectively take that information they already have and do something with it, that would be a really great thing to move forward. Um, but again, like I said, I think people are stuck in doing their daily activities without understanding the why the company is doing what they're doing. So I think the senior leadership team needs to do a better job of communicating. These are really some great insights, Chris, and advice that you're providing to CX professionals. And I'm, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, if I'm a CX professional and I like what I'm hearing and I'm motivated by what I'm hearing from Chris today, the next question that comes to my mind is, am I prepared? Mm. Am, I, am I ready for this? As I, you know, it's, it's 2022, people are gonna start saying, I have new goals, I wanna change careers, I wanna lose weight, I wanna, you know, whatever all those resolutions are that we always make and break, but how do I, how does a professional get prepared if they, if they wanna be that strategist, if they wanna be that analyst, if they, if they want to demonstrate how important it is to link, to have those linkages that may not exist. 
That's a great question. And it's funny because as an ex-chef, I like to use a lot of language associated with cooking or food or whatever the case may be. And I thought long and hard about this because I know that you asked me ahead of time that this might be a, something of a topic. And I really dug into it. And I said, you know, I'm going to come up with an acronym. Let's see what I can do. Oh, great. I love it. <laughs> so the acronym I, I came up with is EAT of all things. E-A-T, right? So that, <laughs> a little tongue in cheek from my past and stuff like that. But the EAT acronym means educate, advocate, transform. Right. So from an education perspective, and, and I was grateful to hear that you're teaching so many classes and stuff like that and inf- impacting a, a, a large group of people who are going to hopefully go into their organizations and, and influence them to change and evolve. But education, whether you're getting it from, you know, the CXPA, you know, the CCXP, you know, getting certified as a CX professional is, is an awesome thing with or with you online, I saw this one school, I think it's called IE, but I don't know what that means. They're offering a master's in CX and innovation, which I thought was pretty cool. Michigan State, um, Tom DeWitt is doing phenomenal work in the CX management space and trying to get a master's program there. I think that's really amazing. Rutgers, which you are part of, um, also is offering opportunities for people to gather steam, if you will. But education is not just simply in the academic community. Um, you can do workshops, you can listen to podcasts like this one, you can get tutorials done, obviously, as I said, certifications. But here's one other way you can get educated about your organization. Take an assignment, step out of your comfort zone and take an assignment that's non-CX related. Look at it from the customer's vantage point, right? After all, your internal group of people is your first customer, whether it's your boss or your colleagues that first circle is your immediate customer base. So step out of that and go to their side and say, okay, how do people function in marketing? How do people function in product development? How do people function in the finance area? Go to a different segment of your organization and you'll get a different perspective of that company and then go back and apply it to your CX roots. Then, at the end of the day, you, you, you have to be a consistent learner of your craft, right? So we talked about tutorials and workshops and then taking an, another assignment, but you need to learn about your organization as well. Again, the why of what they, the why of what they do on a daily basis. Partner together as well with not only professionals within the organization, but outside. Continue to engage the community at large what's going on here, there, and everywhere, share your personal experiences. So that's the educate part of it. Advocate is, you know, on one hand, be your own best advocate, right? If you know and understand what the business needs are and there are problems to be solved, you have the answer in CX. I fundamentally believe that, right? So (laughs) if you're the glue that holds everything together as a CX professional within your organization, then you should be the answer to the solution, right? How do we advance CX within a community, uh, meaning a business community, will be the answer for them, right? Hey, I can solve this problem through these three methodologies. And I'm not just talking about gathering data because there's enough of that already. Um, I do want to just tell a story because I was talking to this young lady recently and she was, I think she's a director of CX and the CEO has come to us, a small company. Uh, it's well past startup stage. They have plenty of funding, 
But now the CEO wants to do customer experiences. So she says to me, Chris, how do I transition from director to VP or maybe the CXO? And I said, well, here are the key things that you have to do. And the first one was, what's the data, right? Talk about what you've been able to accomplish up to this point concerning how CX can drive revenue generation and minimize costs. And, and if you can talk about that very explicitly, the CEO and the CFO will respond in kind. You will earn the role. Now to go from director of CX to CXO is probably an impossibility. They may not see you that way. So go for VP of CX and then eventually get that C-suite kind of thing. And she was like, that's great. And so she advocated for herself within her organization and she's probably going to get that title, VP of CX not necessarily be in, you know, exclusive executive committee, but she'll be on a senior leadership team and she'll be part of the business and learning what's going on on a daily basis and continue to advocate for herself through her successes. Um, advocate for CX within the office space. For me, that means asking the critical questions, um, whether the company is truly CX oriented, right? I mean, you'll know quick, fast, in a hurry, you're in the seat, you know you've been doing it for a long time, but are you marginalized? So advocate for the function as a solution to the business needs. Um, I, I would also say that at this time, now is the time to recognize that the, the COVID situation has prompted more CX leaders to emerge and you should be that person. So raise your hand, help foster better employee experiences by offering real solutions that have impact in the organization you can be the light at the end of the tunnel. So that's the advocate part. The last piece is the transform part. And it's different than just simply changing, right? Transforming is becoming something altogether different, right? So you may have to go from practitioner to the strategic leader. If you do it every day, maybe you should be offering design strategy, right? You should be offering a comprehensive kind of plan that says, if we do this, and follow it, and we have a structure to support it, and we have the technology to enable it, within two years, we should see these changes. So go from practitioner to strategic. Or you may have to go from strategic to practitioner, right? That's a completely different direction. Maybe it's too much design, too much thinking, too much data with nothing to be done. Now you're switching gears and saying, hey, we need to operationalize this because we don't have the structure and we don't have the technology enablement. We need to figure something out to make that a reality. But the, rea but the truth of the matter is, is that you're now doing something rather than just thinking about it, right? Taking that data and actually making change that is noticeable to the, your internal group, group, your employees, your colleagues, and the outside, the person who's buying your product or your service. If the company doesn't want to do that, another way to transform is to move out of that company. <laughs> right? you, you get to vote with your feet. I mean, customers do it all the time. I don't like the way this company is treating me. I'm not going to buy their product or buy their service anymore. I'm going to go to this other one where I feel like I'm being treated much better. Vote with your feet and move to another company that is much more customer centric than the one you're in. You have to, and, and how to do that is to position yourself in your resume. You know, you should be talking about solutions to real business issues that you solved and put that in your resume. I like to tell candidates, does your resume speak about the job that you want? And if it doesn't, then create that. And then ask yourself in the, from a resume perspective, um, does, if, if I were to hire this person, 
what would I hire them for, right? And those two things go hand in hand, if you will. In reality, you're creating the opportunities that will leverage your skills. So pivot as needed. Don't stay static just simply because you need a paycheck. Be cognizant of your career evolution and what is it that you're truly meant to do. Um, and, and I will say last in this particular transformation part is that the new business leader, the CEO of today, is now starting to come out of the CX practice. And I love this. One of them in, in, in particular that I've noticed, I've been following this for some time, some time now, is HubSpot. Now, I don't remember the woman's name, but she is getting lots and lots of accolades. Came out of CX. She was the head of CX for HubSpot, and they promoted her to C CEO. So she was business-focused. She happens to practice CX, and that's a beautiful thing. But she now transformed herself from being someone who's talking about customer experience and to now ensuring that that organization it truly is truly that. So think like a business person, if you will, that happens to practice CX is that last kind of thing. So eat, educate, advocate, transform. Those, those are the things I think are, are really, really important to focus on. I think that's a great acronym. More importantly, I think the three components of that acronym are fantastic and easy to remember, not necessarily easy to implement, but easy to remember and grab onto and figure out a plan to do each one of them. But most importantly, above all of that, the fact that they came from a former chef and the acronym <laughs> is EAT, I just, how can you not pursue them? I mean, come on people. I mean, come on listeners, we, we have to pursue this. It's so <laughs> appropriate, so appropriate. <laughs> I can't believe Chris, how fast our time goes on this podcast when we're talking. It's such a pertinent topic, uh, especially when we begin a new year and we talk about transformation and we talk about careers and so forth. So I really appreciate you joining us today. I always ask my guests, for any final words of wisdom that they want to share with uh, our listeners before we conclude. No worries. Thank you again for the opportunity, Bob. I really enjoyed the conversation. I would leave you with this. Um, one of the things that CEOs are expecting from their CXOs is two really critical things. And there's a third one, but I don't want to delve into that too deeply. One is, are we being real, right? Are we being genuine and authentic? with our brand messaging and, and fulfilling that brand promise. That's a really big one. And I know CEOs are asking their CXOs to, to ensure that, right? Because at the end of the day, people can sniff out when something is for the company versus for them. They just know whether you're an employee or a consumer, they just know. So be authentic. And the second one, and it's way more complex for our conversation, so I'll just touch on it today, is merging ecosystems. No one company operates in a vacuum. And sometimes you'll ask via, you know, a, a survey, how did we do? And there is no accounting for the things that happened to that individual prior to them using your product or service and post that. And I'll, the airline industry is one of those, right? Um, again, not delving too deeply in it. You have a great airline experience, but your taxi ride sucked and your hotel experience sucks, right? So <laughs> those three things go hand in hand. And you might say to the airline, it wasn't that great because you have no other venue to express your, your, your displeasure, right? So right. the airline suffers for it. And if the airline CXO is thinking about the larger ecosystem on a global perspective, they might have you know, better impact on driving 
you know, better experiences for their product or service. So I'll leave you with that genuine, authentic, and then that merging ecosystems piece, I think are critical components that CEOs are thinking about and they want their CXO to partner with them on that. So. Thank you, Chris. Indeed, words of wisdom for our listeners as we uh, begin a new year. Listeners, this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. My guest today, my guest today was Chris Rios. We appreciate Chris's time. And as always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your networks and stay tuned for another episode of our podcast focused on experience management and experience professionals worldwide. And listen also to our network of podcasters as part of the CXFM radio podcast network. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.